We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There may be a tendency to have a romantic vision of what life was like for kids in the late 19th and early 20th century St. Louis. It was not all Judy Garland and Margaret O'Brien, especially for poor kids. For thousands of them, it was life on the streets and factories or in domestic service. It was hard. Days were long and lives were short. Our next guest is going to lecture on the subject at the Fieldhouse Museum on Saturday. Author-historian Bonnie Stefanoff's lecture title is Little Boy Blue and the Dangerous Streets. Little Boy Blue, of course, Bonnie, welcome again. Thank you. The Eugene Field poem. What is the connection between that poem and what we're talking about? Well, um, of course, the people at the Field Museum invited me to talk about children during Eugene Field's time, Um, and I... of course, he was called the children's poet. So, and you might think a lot of people are familiar with his poem, Little Boy Blue. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sentimental poem, and it paints a very sentimental view of childhood. But it also paints a very sad view of early childhood death in the time period in the late 19th century. And there was a lot of that going on, I gather. Yes, every family, including Eugene Field's family, lost well, not every family, but mm. many, many families lost children at an early age. And, and that was that largely due to uh, conditions of poverty or lack of medic- medicines uh, for certain diseases? Well, poverty certainly m- made it worse. Yeah. But Eugene Field's family was a middle-class family, and they also suffered from the lack of knowledge about contagious diseases and uh, how to treat certain kinds of infections and diseases. So most families, you know, across the whole spectrum shared that experience of losing someone at a very early age. But primarily what we're talking about, and I think, and if I have it understood correctly, we're talking about these kids who are out on the streets and at a very young age working in factories and, and yes. really living a very hard life. Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about these kids. Who were they generally, and what was their life like? Okay, well, um, we're talking about the period in the late 1800s and the early 1900s up to about the 1930s. And um, during that time period, in in cities like St. Louis, and not just St. Louis, but in cities that were rapidly growing and industrializing, there was um, a large problem of children who were unattended on the streets. And not all of them were homeless. Some of them had families and homes, but... They tended to play in the streets, and the streets were full of dangers um, and threats to them. Um, Middle-class children had a lot of protection, and and one of the things that the industrial age provided was better homes, better experiences for middle-class children. Mm -hmm. And the little boy blue in the poem had lots of toys and and pretty much he was a, a pampered child, and still. He suffered an early death, but um, for many children, um, the li- their lives were not protected at all, not sheltered at all. They didn't have toys. They were thought about, thought of as young workers, mm-hmm. and a- the age of eight was commonly thought of as the- as working age. 
proper working age for children in the 19th century. And that, that began to change at the turn of the century. And we got compulsory education laws and child labor laws in the early 20th century. So things were changing. But there were still a lot of children who were sent out to work at um, as early as four or five years old. The parents, if they had parents, and most of them did, but were, but were, were uh, parents needed the money. Right. Yeah. Um, you needed more, one, more than one income in the family. Um, now, and, and there was a transition going on between children living in rural areas in, in, on farms. And, and there it was customary for you know, the boys to help the father, the girls to help the mother at home. So they were workers. But now in the cities, it's, kind of, it's a different thing to send your child out to work in a factory than to have them at home working with right. the parents. Well, what's a four-year-old going to do? Uh, four-year-olds uh, in the early 20th century were selling newspapers on the streets. There, were, um, there, were, uh, there was a study done in, I think it was 1912, by Ora Kelly and, um, from St. Louis University, by the way, of newspaper boys in St. Louis. And, and most of them were 11 to 15. But she interviewed 500 of them, and she found several. And, and they had these nicknames like Little Red and Little Cockeye and Little Fatty mm. um, that started selling papers on the street corners in the city uh, when they were four or five years old. Go ahead. Oh, And in the dead of winter, by the way, they'd be standing out there. And people bought them. They had an advantage of being you know, sympathetic, so people would buy papers from them. Yes. I, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because every time Old Newsboys Day comes <laughs> up in St. Louis and we see this iconic picture of a, of a youngster, uh-huh. you know, with one of those crazy hats right. on and, and, and selling newspapers, I, I, I think of these kids because it was difficult for them and they had to be out there to make a few pennies is what they were making. It's true. And there, there are two sides to it as well. Um, from one perspective, and back in the day, back in those times, there was the Horatio Alger idea that you know young boys should work their way up uh, and should learn to be tough and resourceful, and that would make them successful in later life. And in some cases, that did happen, um, and and lots of newsboys had a good experience and used it to better themselves later on. Um, but the truth for a lot of them was that they weren't just out there making extra money for themselves. They were supporting sometimes younger siblings or helping to support the family. Um, a lot of them didn't attend school um, in, uh, until we had compulsory education laws in the early 20th century. A lot of them didn't attend school or they quit school at an early age. You know, Even in the 1920s and 30s, you could quit school at 14, for mm-hmm. instance, so, and then the the boys who um, would sell and or deliver the um, the evening papers could could go to school and then they could do it after mm-hmm. school, but the ones who sold the morning papers had to had to get the papers had to wait outside um, the newspaper office or outside a saloon or outside a pool hall for the papers to be brought to them by a distributor, and that sometimes the the morning edition would come out at 2.30 in the morning, so they'd be out there in the middle of the night. In 1910, a photographer um, named Lewis Hine, and this was on the national level, he was working for the National Child Labor Committee, 
went around the country photographing children at work, and he photographed St. Louis Newsboys out in the street. He photographed Little Fatty um, and um, some of the other really young ones, and he photographed groups of newsboys sitting in the alleys around campfires in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. smoking, playing cards, uh, shooting craps. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were out there living a pretty rough life. I've seen some of those pictures, and it really is a ragtag bunch of uh, really? kids. I mean, you it feel is. sorry for them, even you know, hundred years, uh, hundred years later, right? And more. What what would a youngster, for instance, do working at the brewery? <laughs> that's I don't know. I, I that's a question I I wanted I want to look into because I haven't really. I um, I do know from uh, um, looking at or visiting the archives at Anheuser Busch that they did use child labor at the brewery. But I'm not sure. Not sure. I think most times in factories they did like fetching and carrying. So you would find them not in breweries but just in all kinds of factories and work situations. And, and mostly they were, oh, well, I, I guess they were go, gophers main, mainly. But even in, as early as the Civil War period, Young boys worked in Eads um, boatyard in Carondelet, where they mm-hmm. made the the ironclads for the war, and that was pretty dangerous work. We we talk about the the young boys, and most of the pictures show young boys, but young young girls were also involved, perhaps not to the same degree, but they also were used as as, as young mm-hmm. labor. Right, and and they were in a, in many ways less visible because they would be hired out as domestic servants or indentured. They even used, still used the word indentured in the 19th century. They'd be indentured to go to work. If they weren't needed at home, they would, could be sent out to work in another family to, to help out in the household. So they were working, but they were not visible on the streets. But there were young girls as well as young boys for instance, at the markets, the farmer's markets. And there were lots of them, not just Soulard Market. There were lots of these farmer, farmer's markets. There were about a dozen of them in the 19th and early 20th century. And the young girls would be um, selling the fruit and vegetables and meat at the farmer's markets. Um, they would have uh, carts with fruits that they would push on the streets or they would stand on the corner. Um, so... Um, they were out there doing all kinds of tasks. So what is your overall impression, having looked at this, your overall impression of what life was like for these kids? Well, it was, um, it was dangerous. Um, it was, for instance, n- n- um, we mentioned the little girls a minute ago, and I, I just happened, because I, I, I did most of my research several years ago, but I was researching another project, and I happened to come across it. 1880 newspaper story about a little girl named Shusi McDermott who was um, begging on the streets. And a, a reporter, she she asked for money from a reporter, and he stopped her and talked with her and asked her what she was doing and um, what her name was. And she she didn't know how old she was. She didn't. She had unmatched shoes. Her hair was uncombed. And he asked her, you know, where she lived, and she said that she lived with Mrs. Fink, and Mrs. Fink was apparently a f- kind of a Fagin character mm-hmm. who had six little girls that she was training to go out and beg in the evenings 
uh, from the theater crowd. So um, it was a world in which both boys and girls were in danger. Sounds like something out of Charles Dickens. It's very much like um, yeah. David Copperfield. It's yeah. very much like that. And uh, another, um, and, and London had a huge problem, the, the same problem, um, had thousands of homeless boys on the streets. And I I think a lot of people are familiar with the Baker Street Irregulars oh, yeah. who, who helped Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, of course. Right? Yeah. So they were ragged boys. They, If you read the stories again, these boys didn't have shoes. And, and Sherlock was sending them out in, in the dark in the, at night in London to, to follow people, to, to deliver messages. And so um, I think, you know, there was a sense, I guess, that Boys, even very young boys, were kind of tough and were able to handle life in the streets. Mm-hmm. Well, it's quite a story you tell, and I'll remind folks, uh, Bonnie Stepanoff, that Little Boy Blue in the Dangerous Streets event this Saturday at the Fieldhouse Museum downtown. That's happening at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Interesting stuff. Thank you. It was only a century ago. Look how far we've right. come. Right, <laughs> we have. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>